On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Erica Rankin from Brodo. We had an awesome conversation of what it is like to bootstrap a business to this level and now get to that, that level where you're talking to investors. Uh, we talked about uh, some of the biggest mistakes that she has made uh, this year. Uh, I even you know let you guys in on a couple of mistakes that I've made. I know it uh, probably doesn't seem likely, um, but there are a couple of mistakes that I've made this year as well. Uh, awesome conversation for anybody uh, who is running a a small business, a big business, you guys are not going to want to miss this one. If you are a mid seven figure brand and above, listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, how about growth in general? What about profitability? Supply chain issues got you down? You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world, but we learned some incredible lessons along the way, and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today I am joined by Erica Rankin from Bro Doe. Erica, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Excited for this convo. Yeah, yeah, me too. So we've actually tried to make this work like multiple, multiple times. Sometimes it's been my fault. Sometimes it's been your fault. Um, I'll, I'll chalk it up to my schedule. Let's say that, Erica. Uh, so happy that we can talk. Uh, it's it's interesting. We actually uh, were just finding out about two years ago uh, or a year, yeah, year and three quarters ago is when we first started uh, talking about having this interview and things have changed a ton since then. So for people who don't know anything about you, tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you guys are up to these days. Yeah. So my name's Erica. I'm the founder and chief everything officer at Brodo, which is basically a better for you edible cookie dough company right now, soon to be a bunch of better for you snacks. Um, cool. We're expanding right now. But yeah, I guess like uh, three years ago, I decided to launch this company out of my apartment and pretty much grew it completely bootstrapped through direct to consumer. And then um, in 2021, I partnered with a manufacturer. I have a distributor now and now we're growing into retail as well and just continuing to scale. I love it. I love it. So you started like the, the path that I think a lot of people start. Uh, it's interesting. I have I have probably half VC backed companies on here, half, you know, bootstrap companies. I love the VC companies. Sure. That's great. But but for me, my passion is in bootstrapping at first. I absolutely love that. Are you still bootstrapped or, or have you made that transition now into to bigger funding? So I'm actually in the middle of my first raise, um, uh, which is super exciting. exciting and stressful. And yeah, so I did I did bootstrap literally up until now. And now I I understand like where I want the business to go and I need funds to get there. So this is the next phase of the business. Totally. I, I have to say from from being on both sides of the fence, I've done raises, I've invested uh, on on both of those sides. The bootstrapped companies in my mind are so much better because they understand how to spend money or how not to spend money, right? What actually matters? There's not nearly as much of this like flippant sort of testing of like, oh yeah, I'm just going to spend 10 grand on this agency for a couple months and see how it goes. It's like, no, we, we don't have 
the money to do. Like we literally don't have the money in the bank to do that. We're going to have to get creative. Have you found that mentality has worked well as you're starting to race this round? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what a lot of like the investors say when I come to them, I show them the story and they're like, you really know how to stretch a dollar, right? Like I spent pretty much $0 on marketing for the first two years and grew my brand completely organically because I was forced to because I didn't have like an extra 30k to throw here 20k to throw there. So I really understand the value of a dollar. And then on top of that, also, like I know who to hire for I know how long tasks take, like, I know all aspects of my business because I was forced to wear all the hats. And I think it is such a blessing in disguise being in that, you know, scrappy bootstrappy part of your business as much as it freaking sucks when you're like in the trenches going through it. You look back and you're like, okay, that was actually a really important time for me to learn, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think that constraints are so, so powerful. I I remember uh, years ago hearing this interview with Bono, and he was talking about um, how uh, every time that they play a venue, they want to play a venue that they're going to absolutely sell out, right? So, so, you know, they don't want to play these like massive venues if there's going to be extra seats. I think about that with constraints in, in our businesses, right? And um, you know, essentially, I forget what the, what the rule is, but there's this principle that essentially whatever time, I think it's Parkinson's law, that whatever time is available to do something, that is the amount of time that it will take to do that thing. And, and it essentially works all the time. So go ahead and add another person to that task. You're not necessarily going to get more task done, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, I had a conversation with a, a buddy the other day whose marketing team has grown to 30 people. And he's like, I just cannot seem to get any more out of them from when they were 10. It was like 10 to 30. We're just not getting more out of them. And so we we actually talked about uh, a few different ways that have actually really changed this business and it's all around um, strengths. But anyway, I am totally digressing here. Erica, I want to hear about the beginning part of the business here. Why start Brodo? Like where did you find that that gap in the market? Honestly, I never, ever envisioned launching a food product, let alone cookie dough. It was super random. Um, Back in 2018, I competed in bodybuilding and I would have to like replace a lot of the things that I ate with better versions and cookie dough was such a nostalgic treat for me and I could not find a healthier version of it. So I would Mm. just make my own and I would post it on Instagram and I kind of built this following and people would like save my recipes and recreate them and take me in them. And I would get questions from people asking if I would ever sell any of the things that I made. And I thought, no, I can't do that. Like I'm not a business owner. That's silly, you know? Um, And then I went traveling. I went backpacking for three months through Southeast Asia when I had, I hit like existential crisis mode. And on that trip, I met entrepreneurs and then I got home and that's when the wheels started turning. And I'm like, okay, well, this is something that people want. Cause you know, like I've been asked over and over if people could buy it from me, Canada doesn't have it. Um, There's a gap in the market and it's something I'm passionate about and I enjoy it. So I Googled business workshop near me and drove 40 minutes to the closest business resource center and learned how to write a business plan and manage cash flow and um, build out a marketing strategy. And then kind of off to the races, I started building this business. <laughs> That's awesome. I <laughs> love that. So a, a couple things stood out to me there. Um, I remember when I, I was like 20 or 21 and went to Southeast Asia and I remember landing and I had never been anywhere except within North America. I think I'd been to Mexico, but uh, it wasn't the same. And you land and you're like, Oh my gosh, people live so differently. This is such a different world. I remember like all of my core beliefs just kind of shattered in, in the two months that I was there of like, Oh my gosh, we're living such a weird life 
here in in North America comparatively to over there. I, I feel like for the vast majority of people going and doing those kinds of trips, like I would tell my kids, like, don't go to school right away. Like, just yeah. go do some traveling, learn, learn about the world. Um, have you found that that has stayed with you since then? Yeah. And literally that's the exact same thing as me. Like I felt like I was very privileged and I grew up like in a small town. I, you know, I had, I had a lot of things and I think I took a lot of things for granted and I wanted to immerse myself in another culture that was completely different. And similar to you, like super jet lag, I get off the plane, I hop in like a, a taxi and I'm looking out the window. Like, I feel like I'm hallucinating just with the things that I'm seeing. You're seeing like a family of five on a scooter, holding a bird cage and a fish and like just like completely different way of living. And they're the nicest, most happiest people. And I even did homestays. So a lot of them took me in and they cooked for me and, um, you know, like had the hospitality. And it was it was just a very eye opening experience. And I feel like I came back from that trip with a completely different perspective and mindset for sure. Mm hmm. That's great. That's that's great. Yeah, I almost feel like it should be required uh, required for people before they go and do any more school or or enter like the workforce. Be like, just go get some perspective. Figure out how the rest of the world lives. We're such a little tiny dot over here. Um, anyway, I could get into super stoner mode here with uh, the cosmos <laughs> and how how tiny we are. But uh, we'll we'll get out of that for now. Um, Erica, you know, one of the things I'm super interested in, you know, we've been connected on social for, for quite a while here. You absolutely kill it on social. What are you doing that other people aren't? Um, and specifically uh, in building an authority for yourself outside of Brodo, what, like, what's the secret? Uh, I think just like putting it all out there. There's really no secret and just consistency. Like, when I started posting on social media, I didn't do it with the intention of building a following or, you know, like becoming a creator or whatever. Um, I started putting stuff out because I was struggling myself. And as we know, like you go on LinkedIn, you go on all these different social media platforms and it's very shiny. Oftentimes what's actually going on behind the scenes isn't depicted, right? Like people don't talk about it. Like they could say, I'm doing 5 million in revenue, but I'm dropping like 150, 200 grand a month on ads. Like no one talks about <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, you know? And you're just like, and then I was there like, you know, like, all, like struggling so hard in the kitchen all night, slinging dough, screwing on lids till my hands bled and felt like I just was doing everything wrong. And all these companies are raising money. And here I am like, you know, like looking at my bank account, like, am I going to be okay? Or, <laughs> you know, um, so I started to have conversations with other founders and learn more about all of the struggles that they're facing and that I'm facing. And there was a lot of overlap. And I was like, why does no one talk about it? So I just started posting like airing out all my dirty laundry, so to speak, but in the, the, the intent to like help other people, which it did along the way. And I just kind of continue to share that. And I'm going through a lot of changes right now with the business. And once it's kind of all finalized, I'm going to share more about my screw ups, I guess, so to speak. But um, I think it's important, you know, like this, this journey's hard. And when you go online and you see all the shiny stuff and you're not, you're not achieving the same level of, of success, it's even harder and it can be very discouraging. It's so hard being on, on kind of both sides. Cause I'm sure you probably see, you know, my stuff on LinkedIn as well. That's the number one place that I'm doing anything as far as content is concerned. And it's really hard to also share those things that are difficult, especially when you're trying to maintain some semblance of, of a character, you know, like, you're like, ah, like I recently, uh, 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 raised that we just did. I've never taken on capital in my life either. And now we've gotten to the point with all of our businesses where it's like, ah, I need some partners here. And, 
Um, I made a massive mistake when I first when we first started raising on our valuation. Massive mistake. I had no freaking clue what I was doing. And and yet it's so hard to admit those things, right? And be like, okay, guys, I really screwed up here because people look to the you know founder CEO to to be that stable rock. And it's like, I, I think that sometimes actually admitting those those mistakes actually is incredible. It's incredible for for your team, for your staff, and just for yourself <laughs> to be able to let those things out, right? Out of your body and be like, yeah, yeah, I made, I made a big mistake. All right, let's all get over it. It's not an ego thing and yeah. just move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it's just like a good learning experience too for you. And when you share that, then others kind of learn from that. And like, I think the most helpful thing for me is looking to other people and asking them questions and them telling me their experiences and what they did wrong. And they're like, don't do this. And then I'm yes. like, oh, oh crap, yes. I was going to do that. Like, for example, I almost ordered like 100,000 containers earlier this year. And then I learned, okay, maybe order 20,000 at a more expensive price just to be careful. And I'm so glad yeah. I did because I would have been stuck with so much inventory. <laughs> yeah, you just know? to protect your cash flow too, right? Like yeah. that's a... That's that's a big uh, that's a big consideration there. Yeah, it's just like little things, you know, and experiences are so valuable when people are willing to share them. Absolutely. Erica, we're in 2022, end of 2022, recording this uh, almost uh, tomorrow's Black Friday, actually. <laughs> people will probably be listening to this sometime in December. What in the world is working in 2022 uh, for marketing for you? I think, yeah, just like showing up. TikTok has been a really great platform for me and just to build community. And um, the way that I look at it is like adding value, right? Giving customers what they want. And we're making a ton of changes right now with the business. Um, and I'm really, really excited to like launch all of it by hopefully March of next year. But cool. everything that um, like even um, demos has been really helpful as well. Like I've been getting feedback from customers and getting them to try the product in stores and stuff. And um, yeah, cool. just using all of that and documenting that and making people aware that they're a part of the journey and the process really gets people on board and turns like followers into fans and almost friends is what I like to call them, you know? Nice, nice. That's great. So you guys are actually doing like like sampling and then actually doing recording of the sampling for social. Is is that kind of what you're doing? Yeah, I've been doing that. And then I've also um, just in going to stores myself, which, you know, it is a very long day and I have to do it tomorrow and all day Saturday. But it's a really good experience for in terms of like, you know, getting in front of people um, and people come up to me, run up to me and they say, I've seen you on TikTok or I've seen you on Instagram and then they want a picture together. So I like record a little thing with them and you know then they get exposure on my platform so it also proves that what i'm doing is working as well yes because um, it's just absolutely. people out shopping on a saturday and it's like oh you know so it's it's working i think one of the the problems that a lot of e-com companies have with tiktok uh, in general um is what it's meant for right um i think a lot of people think oh this is a massive conversion engine i post you know like like facebook instagram back in the day is like oh i post and i can see sales come in right i don't necessarily think that that is the job of tiktok i i think tiktok is like pre-funnel like like it is it is before people actually even enter your funnel for your product right it's um, it's just, we have to start looking at it in a different sort of way and measuring different KPIs when it comes to that, because who knows how long that customer is going to take to be, or sorry, that person's going to take to become a customer, but they recognized you, right? Like you're out there doing things. Um, 
I don't know. Have, have you found, am, am I crazy or, or are you, or are you seeing massive conversion from TikTok as well? Yeah, I guess I'm in a box right now. So I have a perishable item. It needs express shipping. It's expensive to ship. And I only ship within Canada and 33% of my followers on TikTok are American. So there's this mm. huge block. We're fixing that very soon. Um, cool. But yeah, it's just been, you know, like I have been getting a lot of sales through TikTok and we've been tracking that and it's been really great. But again, it's just brand awareness, right? Like I flew to Vancouver earlier this year and the girl on the plane next to me, she's like, I've seen you on TikTok and I follow you. Like, it's like little things like that. And I'm like, okay, it's working. And even if she's not a customer now, she could be down the road, right? It's like just getting exposure, building the story, storytelling. Um, and then like doing what your competitors aren't doing. Like the other products yeah. on the shelf next to mine, like they can't, or they're not doing the same thing that I'm trying to do, right? Like it's putting in the effort and it's compounding interest. You're not going to see the ROI right away, but it will come and it's just building community, right? And then organic reach, word of mouth, that stuff is so powerful. And I think people underestimate it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. They underestimate that, uh, sorry, underestimate it and it's hard to track, right? It's yeah. hard to be like, what is this impact that I'm that I'm having? It's it's actually similar, you know, being a podcaster for I don't even how many years now. Um, you you forget how long it, it takes to actually build an audience and build authority, um, and people get to know you through that. And we're on episode. This will be four hundred and something now. And it's if I would have stopped it at, at episode one hundred. There'd be nothing. It would have been completely worthless. Um, but it's that it's it's exactly what you say. It's compounding interest and compounding relationship and trust and all of these things. So, um, absolutely love that, Erica. What's uh, what's one of the biggest mistakes you made this year? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, I've made a few. Um, just like jumping the gun on things. Like I think what I screwed up on was. There's so many. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I'm there too. Just, so you, you just go ahead. Yeah, you make your laundry list. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll just like <laughs> list them all. I'll just write a whole novel. Um, no, I think like for me, like just like making decisions too quickly. Um, Cause I'm a person who I'm getting better. Now I like do a ton of research and really figure stuff out. And I go to advisors and stuff and I have like people coming on my board and like really helping me. Um, but for example, like I hired someone to get me listed on Amazon and we went through the whole process. It took six months because Amazon is literally the worst to work with and you cannot reach a human. <laughs> it doesn't matter how hard you yeah. try. Um, so, and then by the time, like we got it approved, the product is changing. So it, it didn't even end up being worth oh, it. No. Right? And it was, I ended up paying them and it was painful for them, painful for me, but just like rushing into things too quickly and not really fully thinking through like, how long is it going to take? Is this product going to stay the same? Are we going to have to relist it? Is it, you know, and it's perishable too. So we couldn't even do FBA by like, you know, uh, fulfilled by Amazon. Mm. So um, yeah, so just like little things like that. And those costs are like smaller costs, but they really add up if you make a bunch of those types of mistakes regularly. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. Uh, my uh, mentor has a, a phrase that I love to um, say all the time when I'm, when I'm thinking about things like this, and it's fail fast, fail cheap and fail often. Um, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times as we get bigger, we actually don't fail cheap anymore. We fail really expensive. And mm -hmm. that um, that's difficult, right? Uh, but to remember to make more small mistakes on, on the journey, I think is something to really keep in mind. Erica, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? 
scrappy, I guess. I don't know. That's kind of my brand, you know? Um, and I think that's what's gotten me so far. Like I was doing everything for the first few years and I actually broke even my first year, which is like pretty, awesome. I think it's pretty awesome. But again, as you yeah. scale, then it's harder, but yeah, just being scrappy, um, not spending tons of money, like where you don't need to, right. You don't need to yeah. hire a giant agency to run your social media. Time blocking is another thing that's like been optimal for my success, or I guess with scaling and being scrappy. Um, yeah. And then automating, delegating and eliminating, writing down in different columns, you know, like laying out your business and focusing on that and putting things where they should be for sure. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Um, let's, I want to talk about the being scrappy part. Where does that like, are, do you think that you're able to continue to scale with investors and all of that while still maintaining that same scrappiness? I guess it depends on what you think scrappy is. So I guess going into <laughs> the next year, like I'm not going to drop. So I talked to another company recently and they spent 30 grand on one influencer and it had pretty much no ROI. Like there's yeah. silly, I hear things like that and it makes my heart drop. I'm like, you could have done so much with that. Right. Um, and yeah, I guess. So for me, like scrappy is just kind of on par with where you're at with your business, right? Like Scrappy for me was at the beginning, making everything myself, got my logo off Fiverr for 50 bucks, kind of, you know, going that approach, building out my own yeah. website, proving that everything worked and then reinvesting when I had the capital to do so and actually proved the business. Cause I think a lot of people spend way too much money on things when they launch and they're not even sure if the product's gonna work, right? If people oh, want it. It's just yeah. classic, like not actually doing the thing you need to do where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to get my patent and I'm going to get my trademark and I'm going to get all these things. It's like, just go sell stuff first. See if people actually even want it. Don't worry. No one's going to steal your trademark or your patent. No one cares yeah. about you <laughs> until you're, until you're big enough. So mm -hmm. I, I make sure that they're available, obviously. Um, but like, it's funny what some people focus on and think that that's the work. It's like, that's not the work. That's a, the work is doing what you did, right? Getting out there, selling stuff, seeing if there is actually product market fit. That, that's the most important stuff to do out there. Um, Erica, I got three more questions for you. I hope that you're ready. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right. First question. Uh, favorite tool or app that you're using right now? So I recently started using Hootsuite. I don't know. Have you heard of it? Uh, do you use it? I really like it. Um, so that's just been really great for scheduling posts, mainly for Instagram and Facebook. Um, and we've been using that. And then I also recently started using Shield for LinkedIn just to track mm. all the analytics and everything. Yeah. I found out about Shield uh, recently, actually from, uh, um, oh my gosh, what's Jesse's last name? Anyway, Jesse, sweater, sweater Jesse. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it is a game changer to look and see what people are actually interacting with Mm -hmm. uh, you know, which topics, especially, uh, shield is awesome for any other uh, people out there who are taking LinkedIn seriously. It is so worth uh, whatever it is, 10 or 15 bucks a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. well, well worth it. For sure. I'm glad you brought that one up, uh, Erica, though I was trying to keep that one a secret from people. So I guess it's not a secret <laughs> anymore. <laughs> no longer a secret. Yeah. It's yeah. Good. Uh, second question for you, uh, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? Uh, I listen, I really love Ed Milet. Um, I listen to his show, the Ed Milet show, probably on yeah. repeat. He's great. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Uh, guys, remember anything we talk about in here, we will make sure that is in the show notes. So we'll put, uh, Ed Milet's podcast, uh, down there as well. Uh, Erica, last question for you. Uh, you just found out you have a year to live. Uh, what changes? Oh my gosh. That's a really big one. 
um, I guess, yeah, just spending more time with the people that I love in my life and then letting them know how much I love them and appreciate them and travel. Those are the things. I don't know what would happen to Brodo. That's <laughs> what I was going to just ask you. I'm like, what happens to Brodo? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a roller coaster for sure. But yeah, I'm not too sure. I would basically have to, you know, replace myself, find someone to take it over, you know? Totally. Let totally. it live Do on. Some, <laughs> some succession planning in that last year, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Erica, great conversation. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time. I'm glad that we were finally able to uh, link up. This was great. Uh, where can people find out uh, more about you and more about Brodo? Yeah, so Brodo Canada on uh, Instagram and TikTok, and then Erica Rankin, and it's Erica with a C on uh, LinkedIn. You can connect with me. Sweet, sweet. That's awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today so much. Again, guys, uh, all of whatever we talked about today is in the show notes. Uh, any sponsor offers are in the show notes as well. We've got some awesome sponsors right now with some great uh, some great deals for you uh, in the software world. Um, so go ahead and check those out down there. And uh, thanks again for listening. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.